0: The Message you're about to hear was preached at Gosem Africa 2019 justification you by grace through faith. Stay tuned, so we
1: can overflow with purpose in mind. You say to us, Well, thank you very much. Uh, I think I have one lecturer in the, in the Bible school who was trying to teach me as you are teaching now, you mm-hmm. know, trying to tell me all this what you are seeing now, mm-hmm. but I always fight him. Until I came here and I've seen that, what the man was saying is the right thing. Yeah, yeah so, and my, and my question is that... So
2: are you going to go back and... and uh, no, I'm just listening. No.
1: <laughs> but but my, my, my question is that, you know, we are in denomination. and denomination, in my denomination, yes. we have our rules, our system that we use to rule the church. Sure. Very big denomination. Yeah. Baptist church. Yes. We have our that. And, and you are a local pastor. Yeah. How are you going to change the whole thing? Hey. Because there's a rule, that rule. And you are being monitored by the denomination. Yes. That's my question. Ah.
2: I'm going to let some, somebody that's greater than me must answer that question. <laughs> 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 that question is about my pay grade. But I hear exactly what you're saying. And uh, first of all, I want to commend your simplicity and being able to say the man was Right so I, I thank god for that but your situation needs prayer when i say prayer you need to ask the holy spirit what should you do and your choices are one or two okay so you have a jonathan who served with king saul and he saw in time that Saul, his father was a problem in israel and he said to david his friend he said my father is a problem and one day david you're gonna be king and I'm gonna be with you. But when he went to talk to David, the sad commented on Jonathan's life. The Bible said he returned to the sea and he died with Saul. I've spoken to you in parables. I pray that God will give it the ears to hear what I just said. Hmm? What do you say? To rephrase the statement. Wow, are you are going to take it to the CISO, to BOC, BCOS in Nigeria? <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. You, you understand what I said? Yeah. I, I cannot tell you what to do. Only God can. That's, it. That's the bottom line. However, if God gives you... See, God challenges me and you to live by the light he's given us. If you don't have light and you are in a system that is oppressive and legalistic and you have no light, you're fine. But once light comes, you become judged by the light you've been given. Not by the darkness that you you are in. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's move on. Was there a question? Okay. Amen. Uh,
3: Please, I want to ask a question about uh, the tithe. Ah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, We are
3: justified by grace through faith. And Galatians told us that Abraham was justified by faith. And Abraham was the first person who paid tithe. So I want to ask, that mean, we can pay tithe
2: through faith or by faith. Amen. Very, very good question. When I have to be careful because I don't want this question to take so much time to answer. When Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek, there are several factors you must take into consideration. Number one, he paid tithe in an era where the law was not yet given. The law did not come until Exodus 19. You hear what I'm saying? Yes, Number two, when Abraham paid tithe, you will not find it anywhere in the scripture where he did it other than one, that one time. And he only did it from the spoils of the war, not his income. Mm-hmm. What, what else do I need to explain? He went to war. He got the spoils. Now, remember, before he went to war, he was, he was already prosperous. Yes. Silver, cattle, and gold, all of that. No mention that he ever paid of, or, or any of those. Are you hearing me? Yeah. But when he went to battle and got spoils of the battle, in the honor of the God who gave him victory, mm-hmm. he paid a tenth. And you will not hear it anywhere else in the scripture where he did it. Do re mi la ti do, no. <laughs> do re mi fa so la ti do. <laughs> sir, the, are you all right, sir? Uh, you, you're fine. Okay. There's a lot more that could be said, but I don't want to. I don't want to take the class time to to be, to, uh, to address that. Yeah, there's a whole lot more that could be said, but I just I just want to see. There, there are two. Th- there are two. Sh- there are two things in scriptures, or rather, two words that will help us in scriptures. The word descriptive, as in to describe. Descriptive. Descriptive text exactly. Crispy. Oh my God. Prescriptive text exactly. exactly. So you can describe or you can prescribe. When you read that Abraham gave tithe, that was a description of what he did. Okay? Um, When the Bible says the Sabbath is holy, keep it holy, that was a prescription theme. It prescribed what we should do. So what I'm saying to you is you you need to be careful not to take this thing that's used to describe an an event as a thing you prescribe to live by. When you inter- mix those things, you, you're going to get in trouble. There are certain things that God used to describe what happened, and there are other things that he used to prescribe what we should be doing. So don't mix them up. Did, did you get that? Okay. Okay. I, I,
0: I wrote it down. I wanted to ask it. Uh, after the class. Okay. And a young man asked that question because I I was a little bit confused yesterday when you talk about tithe. Okay. And because I realized that uh, Abraham gave tithe before the law. Correct. And then uh, we have that of Malachi. Yes. But now that you have explained it.
2: Yes. It's clear. Amen. Praise God. Uh, Yes. All right. So Back on page twenty-two, we were redeemed from the curse. Why do you want to go back? Faith saved us from the curse of the law. The giving of the law does not negate the promise made to Abraham. Now this is very important. In Galatians chapter three, verses fifteen through eighteen, let somebody read. Paul made that argument. Actually, let's read from verse thirteen, Galatians chapter three. 13
0: through 18. Three, thirteen through 18.
2: Yes. Christ hath
0: redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made on a three. for it is written, curse is everyone that hangeth on a three. And the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit true faith. 15. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannoyeth or addeth thereto. 16. Now to Abraham his seed were the promises made. He said not and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul, that it should make the promise of none effect. 18. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more
2: of promise. But God gave
0: it to Abraham by promise.
2: Amen. Praise God. So now let's now go back to Genesis chapter 12. Let's look at what's happening here because let me make the point. And uh, at the end of the class, I will come back and tell you uh, the prescriptive way of giving. I know this tithe question has come up a couple of times now, so I'll come back and address that at the end of the class. Because I don't want to get into that now. If I get into it now, it may, we may be in discussion for a little while longer. Let me finish the material, and I'm going to come back and tell you the difference between what is described and what is prescribed. And then you can make your own decision on how you do, uh, what you do with your giving. Amen? Now the Lord had said unto
3: Abraham, mm-hmm. Get out of thy country, mm-hmm. and from thy kindred, yes. and from thy
2: father's house, Wait, 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 wait. Now, who is taking the initiative here? Abraham or God? God. 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 At the creation, God took the initiative. Taking the initiative. Mind you, here in Genesis chapter 12, again, we see that God is the one that's taking the initiative. Mind you, Abraham was a pagan worshiper.
1: Mm.
2: I mean, just think. All these scriptures that you know, that you're already aware, I, I mean, think through what God is doing here. What did Abraham do to deserve God coming to make him a promise? Mm. This is pure grace. The man was a pagan. Yeah. Please start it again
3: from the beginning. Okay. Verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, get thee out of thy country Mm -hmm. and from thy kindred Mm -hmm. and from thy father's house Mm -hmm. unto a land that I will show thee Mm -hmm. and I will make of thee a great nation.
2: Wait a minute. How much prayer did Abraham pray to become a great nation? Nothing. How how many days of fasting? None. And we kill our people over these things. (laughs) You must pray every day. You must fast nine times a week. And God sovereignly came to a pagan. Think, please think about this now. Because if God can do this to a pagan, if he, can, if he can freely give his son to us when we were pagans, how much more will he not freely give us all things as believers? Amen. Notice in this passage how many times God says, I will. Mm. Not you, not you will do, I, I, I. Re- read it again. Read that verse 2.
3: And I will make of thee a great nation. Okay. And I will bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed.
2: Hold it. In everything that's been read so far, what is Abraham's rule? Nothing. Thank you. So why do you think you have a role in what God is going to do in your life? I mean, God initiates it. I will. I will. God initiates it. God does it. It is as clear as day. Nothing except for Abraham to hear it and says, let it be unto your servant according to thy word. Finish. And let God work it out. And it's the exact same thing that God, I mean, has, has God promises to Abraham been fulfilled?
3: Absolutely, yes. He's been fulfilled.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The promise, first of all, back in your notes, a promise is a will that cannot be altered. The promise was unconditional. It wasn't up to Abraham except to believe. So, what Paul is saying is that the law is subordinate to the promise. And the law must be understood in relation to the promise. So, was the blessing of salvation by faith displayed by the law? No. How do we know that? Abba about Rahab, the harlot? How was she rescued and delivered and saved? How? I'm sure you've preached it. They have simply believed and hid the 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 Jewish spies, and she was delivered. How about Ruth the Moabite? She believed in the God of Naomi and followed her. So clearly, even in the Old Testament, people were made right by God, by faith, by grace, through faith, and not by the law. So then, the question is, why did God give the, the point? If people ask why, there are hundreds of laws in the Old Testament. So, what's the point if people are saved by faith alone? Why do we have why do we have the law at all? Let's read Galatians chapter three, verse 20, from, from verse nineteen. Wherefore then serveth the law?
3: It was added because of transgressions. So the seed should come to whom the promise was made and was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. 22, but the scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be
2: justified by faith. There you go. Good. So why? Why why give the law if the law does not make a man better? If the law is not the means of justification? Why? Very simple. Paul is telling us that the law was added because of transgressions. In other words, God gave the law as a deterrent so that the people did not destroy themselves by the things they are doing. Not because it can make them better, But it acted acted as a deterrent. Okay, let me give you an example. You go to a river, and the river has two banks. One on the left, and one on the right. And the banks direct or guide the flow of the water in the river. Is that correct? But if you remove the banks of the river, what happens to that water? It flows all over the place. So a river that... If there are no banks, all of our marine life, fish and all that stuff. If there are no banks, all of a sudden all those things are destroyed. And that water can cause damages to homes, to lands, and becomes a flood instead of a river. In the same way, God gave the law when they saw how the people were living and behaving. And said, you know what? I'm going to give you the law as a guide. As a deterrent. So that you don't run amok in the things you're doing. Not because they can make you better, but at least it becomes a guide. Okay, so for instance, I don't know, I don't know about, uh, I'm not sure about Accra. In the United States, on the highways, on motorways, we have speed limits. Speed limits. Now, this speed limit is not intended to, to teach you how to drive, but it's a guide so that you don't just run crazy. You don't say, because you have a car, a nice car, just push your accelerate or a gas pedal all the way to and just start doing 120 miles an hour. You may be a good driver, but others around you can be at jeopardy just because of that kind of excessive driving, fast driving speed. So they have guides. So they say, you drive at 55 miles an hour or 60 miles an hour. Amen? But those mileage, uh, those guides, the speed limit does not make you a better driver. It's just a guide so that you don't destroy yourself. Cause accidents or cause accidents for other people. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, sir. So in the same way, God gave the law, and the law, the Bible says, is a schoolmaster to uh, lead us to Christ. What does that mean? Oh man, it's a lot there, but let me make it as simple as possible. So under the Old Testament system, they have animal sacrifices. Anytime time they did anything wrong, they kill an animal, and God was teaching them how, by the killing of an innocent animal. They can transfer their guilt to the animal. So that they will be learning and be open to understand that Jesus, the Lamb of God was coming. Who will be like the animal they were used into killing and imputing their sins and their guilt on. So that when Jesus appears as the Lamb of God, ah, they connect, oh my goodness. Is the Lamb just like the Lamb I used to kill in those days. Every time they broke that law. So the law was becoming a schoolmaster. Schoolmaster in the sense that every time they broke that law, it's frustrating just like the mind that failed to pray one day or that failed to read the Bible one day, the frustration, the guilt, the shame, every time they broke a law, it drove them further to Jesus. I said, man, I need remedy. I can't keep on living like this. This is frustrating. This is discouraging. And the more they felt discouraged, the more they failed, the more they became vulnerable and open. receive something better that wasn't that's what the law is for you follow me okay now let's look at this chart on page 23 now this summarizes everything we've done so far Page 23 this is a good good summary of everything we've done so far oh i'm sorry okay where's the mic pass the mic please
4: Okay, so um, speaking about the sacrifices that were made in the Old Testament Mm -hmm. with the lamb being taken to, um, so you putting your guilt Mm -hmm. on the lamb. I have this friend, Mm -hmm. and he doesn't even believe in this Jesus thing. Mm -hmm. Anytime I talk about it, he's like, okay, so um, why, why would God bring down someone who didn't do anything then he told me has taken my sins so he keeps referring to the old testament more often it's like the new testament he doesn't believe in the new testament and that um we should we should always read the new testament they there was remission for sin when they killed a lamb. so up to now they still believe in going to to, to sacrifice a lamb monthly christmas like when you are supposed to party so what do you do about such things
2: well you just speak the truth and leave it alone that's it none of us can get anybody born again it must be by revelation or oh, i don't know how many times in the arm of my flesh i ran to the altar to get born again i cry 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 for me personally i'm talking about my own experience next week i'm back to my old self for me personally i'm talking about my own experience. Oh, I can't remember. I don't know how many times I got born again before I, bought, I really got <laughs> born again. <laughs> I just kept on going back, man, to that altar until, until finally one day it took <laughs> when I had a revelation of who Jesus is. That's the key. So until they get that revelation, there's nothing you can do. Just give the word, love them, and pray. And then be watchful for the opportunity when God will say, now they are ready.
5: Yep. Yes. Okay, yes, Papa. Uh, I think, to be very honest, um, listening to this teaching over the past few uh, uh, hours, and last year also, I, I have concluded that if this teaching can really impact this nation, then we have a lot of pastors that are under people. So it will be difficult, like we have said before, it will be difficult to penetrate. Yes. So... And we still have uh, pastors here that are running Bible school, and the Bible school they are going through, we are repeating the same thing over the past years. So we are appealing to you: it would be better that maybe uh, Gossam or Welateri School can start a school uh, leadership school over here in Ghana, so that we can be trained how to present this particular. Uh, Because I have about almost 10 pastors here or uh, seven pastors here that are going to the Bible school. And they were repeating the same thing. So there's going to be reproduction of the same legalities and norms for the past years. Other than that, uh, coming behind, like George said, is so difficult to get some of the denominational leaders or some key old pastors to change their mind. But if we run something like a school, you have people bringing their, their, their pastors, and possibly some of them coming into the school to come and learn. For that's one uh, uh, submission. Okay. And easily, I mean, affect uh, other people. That's our uh, simple uh, uh, submission. Okay,
2: good.
6: Thanks, we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, thank you very much. Um, personally, I also run a Bible school for several years now personally we don't we don't teach this this, is, this are some of the things we teach. We teach this, and you will see the resistance. but we tell them the, the, the i mean the simple fact personally this is uh, it's like uh, confirming what we have been teaching I believed this thing many years ago, and i'm getting more insight into it and we teach this thing nothing more, nothing less. Hmm. The problem like I think you are saying is that we should. We teach it. People, people fight it. Yes. But that is the truth. You can't really it against the truth, but for the truth. So we say it just as it is. And then we leave it. Some come to understand that this is, yes, this is the truth is in scriptures. Some also say this is where we are coming from, this is what we believe, and they leave it. So, uh, it is not all schools that will be teaching that in a way, because we don't. <laughs> yeah, man, that's okay. good. Yeah, that's but I also, good. Te- I also believe that if we can get um, a, a bigger uh, platform also to um, to, to teach it, that will also be fine. okay. But I have um, a question. When you started, you talked about uh, where we... In fact, there's a trend now. I don't know of uh, the other places, but there's a trend now where pastors automatic, automatically have to let their wives also be ordained, and then the... You made a statement when you started, and that's why I, so I wrote it down. I wanted to ask of that. Sure. And then you also see where, let me train my child to take over from me when I'm, I'm out of the scene. And now it just almost gets, you know, I mean, it's almost all over the place. Once you are a minister, you must automatically let your wife also be ordained so that she will also be pastoring alongside you. What what, what what do you have to say about about this trend? It's it's almost everywhere. I hear people you know most of the big guys who tell you I've sent my child to school to train I mean train to become uh to take over from me in terms of the church uh, thing.
2: Yeah. Well the Bible addresses that very clearly in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews that let no man take this on <laughs> that's interesting. The Bible addresses that very clearly in the book of Hebrews that let no man take this honor upon himself except he that is called or ordained as like Aaron. So I do not believe that the church is anybody's personal property. Yeah. And therefore, only God calls men and ordains men. And if people are not called by God, I presume the office uh, it's a very dangerous thing. Because like I was saying to you yesterday, there's a particular grace that accompanies the role and the place that God calls you to, to function in. And so if you are functioning out of that grace just because it has to be your wife or your son or your daughter, it's a very dangerous thing to do because the grace of God covers you for what it assigns you to do. That's very important. And, and so we need to be very careful. But yes, it's not just a trend here in the Ghana or Nigeria. It's the same thing in the United States. It's the same thing. It's going all around because people are seeing ministry as a personal property. Yeah? They say they don't live from the US. (laughs) So 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 they are seen ministry as something that is wheeled or that's just passed on from you know it shouldn't be like that.
1: Yes. Yes. Okay, my my question is that we know that uh, according to First John chapter one, verse eight and nine, Mm -hmm. if we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have, we have never sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So my question is that you uh, confess your sins once and you become a Christian. So from then on, then you are saying that we should not confess any sins again. Like maybe the whole day you finish your these daily activities, you might have met people in so many things. And uh, I don't know because I have been following you, and I, it, it is like we, because of the grace, there's no sin again. I want no, to no, local. no, no. I did not
2: say because of grace, there's no sin again. Okay. 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 That's a mischaracter. It's just how you handle sin. Okay. So I'm not saying that because of grace, there's no sin again. Okay. There's plenty of sin. It's just how you handle sin. Okay. So let's go back to the fundamentals. At Calvary, 2,000 years ago, Jesus paid in full for our sins. Is that correct? So if he paid in full for our sins 2,000 years ago, and people are still getting born again thereafter, that means then he paid it forward. Do you agree? Hmm? You agree? So if he paid it forward, then Calvary covered my sins past, present, and future Is that true? If that is true then what am what exactly am I confessing? If my sins are forgiven past present future in three dimensions No I'm, sir you ask a question I'm, let's raise together No, 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 I'm I'm, I'm challenging you, but at the same time, I'll I'll, I'll keep on answering you. See, again, like I said yesterday, I may not understand how an airplane flies or how a car drives, but there are certain basic fundamentals I know that when I put my key in a car, the car will drive. So instead of me trying to drive the car, say, okay, now, carburetor, how do you work? Uh, Ignition, uh, what? what? Don't get bogged down with that. Take what you know. The Bible says the secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed unto us. So enjoy the things that are revealed. Now, I'm going I'm to try, try to answer the question because that scripture you quoted, it, it comes up all the time. So let, let me get a Bible. Let me get a Bible. So you agree with what I've said so far? First of all, what's, what does the word confess mean? What does it mean to confess? See, because you are using, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes we use our understanding of certain English words to impose a particular meaning on Scripture. The word "come mean," I have to go and say, "Oh man, acknowledge or agree." It does not mean I have to go and say, "Oh man, I stole ten CD yesterday, or I did this, I did that." No, 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 that, not necessarily. In the English language, yes. But not in the the Greek. But now let's go to the scripture. First John, chapter 1. You cannot read verses 8 and 9 with clarity if you don't read verse 1. That's the problem. Verse 1 says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. So now, immediately, you know there's a, there are different groups of people in this passage. There's the we group, W-E, we. Did you see that? So the we group is talking to another group. That's not part of the we. Do you see that so far? Any, does anybody see that? Okay. Right. Now answer me then if you see it. Let me make sure I'm not talking to deaf and mute people. <laughs> okay. Verse 2. The life was manifested and we have seen it. And bear witness. And declare, aha, now we're about to say another group. And declare to who? You. So right away, the we group is giving a message to the you group. Do you see that? Okay. Let's read on. So that life that was manifest and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Us and the we group are the same. That which we have seen. Read on. Clear to you. Why? Why are we declaring to you group? Read on. That you also may have fellowship with us. How do you understand that so far? How do you understand what he said so far? Absolutely. He's speaking to a set of unbelievers. That you also, that will also mean we have something that you don't have. Do, uh, do, am I making this up or do you guys see it? <laughs> Listen, I guess I'm going to go get on the airplane and I'll just go home. Because if you guys, are not, I mean, yeah. You also, he said also. So, so it means I have something That I also want you to have. We. You. That you also may have. Sir, are you following me? Is it making any sense? That which we have seen and heard. We declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to who? You. Why? That your joy may be full. So you, these you people, you unbelieving you people, you don't have joy yet. But I'm writing this to you, so that you also may have fellowship and your job may be full. Okay? This is the message which we have heard from him and declared. Who are we we declaring to? You. Okay? That God is light and in him is no darkness at at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So already by verse 6 it's telling you that he's walking in light. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus is son cleanses us from all sins. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, it's faithful and just. To in other words, this guy is giving a testimony of how they got into the fellowship. It's not saying that I have to do it. Now, My final submission on this issue, because this is, I'm not giving you, if you feel that you have to confess your sin, go ahead and do it. I'm not giving you a lot to say, you must not confess your sins. If you feel that you've done something for which you need, fine, go ahead and do it. But I'm saying to you that God does not require it of you. Why? He saw it before you did it. Now, I'm about to blow your mind now. I'm about to give you something that's that's going to deal with you very very well. Revelation chapter 13, verse 8. The Lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the world. Not only did he die 2,000 years ago, the blood was actually slain at the foundation of the world. Do you understand the implication of that? That the Lamb of God was slain before. Before the foundation of the world. Do you understand the implication? Sin was taken care of before it ever happened. It was just manifested in time 2,000 years ago. So, Revelation 13, it helps you understand how God is thinking. He took care of the sin business before it ever happened. So if, if that's the case, what sin have we now sinned that God make, that's going to make heaven just have a heart attack? Now, understand, we are not trivializing sin. I don't want you to hear this and say, ah, go and do. No, we said it yesterday. Grace does not give you the liberty to go and live in sin. If anything, it helps you to overcome sin. That's the reason grace grace was given. It helps you to live above sin to overcome sin. Uh, But I'm just telling you that for some reason, we have a romance with sin. We can't get it out of our heads.
0: Thank you for listening to this message. You can reach Pastor Bank on Facebook at Pastor Bank Akimola on Instagram at Bank Akimola on Twitter at Pastor Bank. Stay
1: blessed.